We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Wednesday night. It's nine o'clock on the East Coast. You know what time it is. It's time for the NFL Pick Six Show, Week Three. Rich Rebar, Sharp Football Analysis, the Worksheet. John Daigle, four for four. Bet Spurts. John Daigle, fresh off of uh, watching our movie, we will discuss later on in the show. And I hope this doesn't this doesn't affect your performance. But we did watch uh, this week uh, before the Devil Knows You're Dead, and it's not exactly an upper. But uh, yeah, hopefully, I, I, if you want to give a tease for later on in the show. Uh, your, your your thoughts. Uh, you're gonna be able to power through, I suppose. Not the happiest of movies. I may need to cry before we start talking about football. Other than that, though, uh, we we know the lanes to hit, except when I pick movies. Even though I'll try to be kinder in 2023 to y'all if I ever take down the contest, which I didn't this week. But enjoyable, enjoyable, in a different you, way. You uh you mentioned take down the contest and we're starting. The people have spoken. The people have demanded that they want a listener league. We're making it happen. Oh yeah, a one hundred person listener league. Uh, producer Devin uh, set it up for us. We're gonna go ahead and drop that in chat. I'll drop it in chat. It'll be uh, pinned on the YouTube as well. We weren't sure how to size it. We're going with hundred people. Five bucks. Five bucks to enter. A little bit of added value this week as well. If you finish first, or if one of us finishes first, like the closest to somebody that's not associated with the show. You get yourself one week free of Rotor Grinders Premium. So let's have fun with the chats. Go ahead and sign it up. The uh, the Couch Gang with the edibles. Get off your seats. Get off your chair and sign up. Uh, hundred people. That's uh, we're gonna make that happen, right, Rich? Hundred people should not be an issue. I assume our people are gonna be uh, they demanded it. They asked for it, so now they got to sign up. That's right. Yeah, we should be able to get a hundred for sure. I would uh, I would certainly hope so. Uh, if this is your first time here, week three, welcome. Uh, how this show works, we talk about the main slate. We don't talk about other games. 
So no Thursday night game, no Sunday night game. Monday night, they're running it back. Two more games on Monday night, so we only have a 12-game main slate. Uh, Rich, before we dive in as far as the main slate and dig, it to, dig through it, and like again, we focus on three main games, run it back, give our fair plays position by position amongst players that were not in those three featured games. Anything worth noting as far as week two? A lot of injuries uh, out there. A trade just went down before the show. Uh, Madison, so, so, so terrible for Minnesota. They brought in uh, Cam Akers. Uh, we saw well, Kareem Hunt is in Cleveland. I don't know how much that's going to matter. But, yeah, a lot of moving parts. Uh, we're recording this on a Wednesday night, so bear that in mind. Anything uh, worth noting week two or going forward, Rich? What do you got? No, I mean, week, week two was excellent. Uh, there was offense. There were touchdowns, uh, which meant there were fantasy points. So it was a really good week. Set some really good lineups. Uh, hopefully we can run it back. I, I was curious to see what games Daigle is going to pick because this slate for week three is on paper objectively not great. A lot of good teams play bad teams. Uh, and we don't have uh, a lot of great individual matchups where like it's like two-sided. So uh, I'm excited to see uh, what he picked out and what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, all right. Well, let's kind of dig in and talk about that very first game. By the way, you mentioned offense last week. Uh, what first week was like, what, I mean, four overs hit out of all the games, and I think almost yeah, yeah. every single game went over in the second uh, week too, except for Jacksonville and Kansas City. Funny yeah. how that works. The biggest the biggest the chalk game. Just the chalk game will always get you, man. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there was 22 more touchdowns on offense scored last week than there was in week one. So hopefully we can run it back. I mean, we really like the tutties. And is, we're going to discuss the chalk game in the big three preview. Don't worry. Yeah, let's get that one out of the way. And look, John, you got anything else as far as uh, any week two takeaways? Anything you want to point out before we kind of dive in? Or you just want to dive in? We can dive in. I thought we did well together as a team calling our shots last week. Uh, we had Christian Kirk. We had Gabe Davis. We talked about perhaps spending down at quarterback. And I know Brock Purdy uh, game stacks won mid-stakes, high-stakes single entries. Geno Smith won the Millie Maker, uh, just stacked alone with Tyler Lockett. So, yeah, we did well. Uh, let's see if we can just run it back. All right, let's do it. You mentioned the highest total on the board here, John. Uh, Chargers, Chargers at Minnesota. It's everything you want, right? It's high, it's tight. We're expecting a lot of plays. It's in a dome. 53 and a half is the total Chargers. It's like a, a one-point favorite. Again, we just saw Cam Akers. Get traded to Minnesota because, uh, well, Madison has been certifiably pretty terrible. Uh, and I was talking about how fast that game's expected to play. Per Derek Cardi's the the blitz, it is projected to have the most plays of the week. I believe that's a yeah, 136.1, which is almost four plays more than the second fastest game. Dealer's choice here, John. Uh, feel free to start wherever you want to start. You want to touch on the the acres stuff? Do we assume he's going to play this week? How much that's going to matter? Or you want to avoid that for now? I he will probably play the most recent example off the top of my head is Christian McCaffrey, but of course that's Christian McCaffrey who just showed up to the 49ers a few days later and was himself in that game. But overall, it, he it's didn't play. A, remember, he only played like 10, 10 or fifteen snaps against the Chiefs. Yeah, that's that's it. Okay, that's the most recent example I have off the top of my head, Rich. Unless you have another one. Uh, no, I'm sure there's a couple more, but yeah, McCaffrey was the one who kind of, Jeff Wilson, I was the same thing, right? At the same time, they both got traded the, the same week. And Mostert got injured in that game. So it's like all kind of misconstrued. Um, I guess the point though, where we can start is that I don't know if it matters at all. Let's start on Minnesota side of the ball because both Tua and Ryan Tannehill reached 21 fantasy points against this defense. Tannehill did have a rushing touchdown. 
certainly helped him, but he completed 80, 83% of his passes after he looked just miserable in week one against New Orleans. I do think the Chargers are probably still successful against the run, but why would anyone ever throw, run against them whenever 25% of passes against them so far have gone for 15 yards? So it kind of just fits in the scheme of what the Vikings are doing right now because the Vikings added Cam Akers stubbornly, but they added Cam Akers because they're getting absolutely nothing from their backfield. Mind you, they have played two tough stout run defenses to start, but even then, they only have one 10-yard touch out of their two running backs they've used so far, and that was an 18-yard catch from Ty Chandler in week one. They're just basically getting nothing even through the air. That's why they went to Akers. But overall, that also tells you that they can't move the ball on the ground anyhow, and they're going to have to attack this pass defense, which has been allowing very big plays. So it actually, think, matches up well for how the Vikings want and should play. All right. By the way, Akers, I just realized, uh, unless they do something with the sites, like that uh, the Rams play on Monday night, so he's not even in the player pools uh, uh, currently. Yeah. So. Yeah, so I don't know uh, how that's going to work out, or if you want to roster him anyway. I was just going to think how Madison up and- definitely would have caught some ownership too. May, still may honestly, uh, but Madison definitely would have caught ownership just to try to get the touches in a what seems like a better spot. Yeah, uh, my initial thought was like, and I thought going into the season, like Chandler was one of those guys that has some juice, looks good in the few videos I saw on Twitter. I'm not like a college guy or a draft guy, but the, what, the little I saw, I'm like, oh, this guy looks like he could be something, and maybe. It was a, a lack of confidence in Chandler being able to step up and take over for Madison. They didn't give anything up for what it's worth. Like they flipped what a sixth and a seventh or something like that. So there was the, really no risk, I suppose. Uh, in 2026. <laughs> yeah, I mean, who cares? It, it's it's completely meaningless. But uh, you have a thought, a takeaway? Is that kind of your thought here, Rich, when it comes to uh, uh, running backs don't matter? And they're, they're, they're confirming it. Well, I mean, this was, I mean, the, the whole Madison contract extension was weird anyways, because remember this is, this regime had him last year and he had a career low amount of touches and wasn't good on the touches he had. Then he gets extended. Uh, the team does like that weird, like banner where they put him like <laughs> with like Justin Jefferson and Kirk Cousins. Um, and then, you know, basically the entire preseason, they were kind of kicking the tires around the, a, a few running backs. They had Miles Gaskin. They had like brought in Kareem Hunt at one point, And then, you know, uh, Cam Akers played with Kevin O'Connell uh, with the Rams. So, like, he's got some familiarity with them. He's got some familiarity with the system. But it's just the whole Madison saga this summer has been weird. Uh, it's just been weird. And this is a guy that's like, has now a multi-year sample of being inefficient outside of, like, everything going on, right? Like, Garrett Bradbury hasn't hurt. Christian Darisaw has been out of the lineup. But, like, we have, like, a three-year running sample of Alexander Madison being pretty, like, average and really below average as a running back. The main focus here, though, Rich, I imagine for Minnesota is the passing game, specific to the Jefferson, the Hawkinson. And this is one of my biases. I just don't like playing quarterbacks that uh, don't have the ability to, like, run the ball. And they, they basically have to get there 303, and certainly Cousins can do it. It's a good matchup. We talked about the total, 26 total. Uh, optimals on a Wednesday night, LOL, but optimals on a Wednesday night. He's the most popular quarterback. He's not running away with it. But he's currently landing in a lot of lineups. Um I just he just doesn't feel like a guy that can like take stuff down fully, but of course he can throw four hundred and get four and four touchdowns and we're good to go there. Your thoughts as far as cousins and like very clearly who the pairings are, uh, his yeah, targets. Yeah. So certainly popular cousins has never let us down either. Uh, <laughs> when he's when he's a popular play, but I mean it does line up like they will kind of hit it. I mean ninety one percent of the Vikings yardage so far this season has come through the air. The Chargers are allowing nine yards per passing play. 
that's a league high. And this is like another thing. It's like, this isn't a new development with the Chargers. Uh, you know, since Brandon Staley has been with the Chargers, they're 27th and catches allowed to go for 20 or more yards. They're last in the NFL and catches allowed to go for 30 or more yards. 29th in the NFL for catches allowed to go for 40 or more yards. Like this team has been giving up splash plays since he's been there. And that's kind of like his MO, you know, Brandon Staley catches a lot of heat for how he coaches games, but really kind of the one detriment to his, uh, like tearing him down is that he's a defensive coach and the defense has sucked since he's been there. Uh, and they've got talent. Like they have a lot of talent on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, so, I mean, it, it does line up to where like you would, because this is the same thing with the Vikings, right? Like the Vikings are living their same life again. Uh, they're just playing in these weird games, uh, going to the fourth quarter trailing and cousins is just winging it around the yard. I mean, he's thrown for 344, uh, 364 yards, uh, stacking yards. He's actually played a lot better to start this year than he did last year. Mm-hmm. Um, last year, he really only was good in the fourth quarter. He's been playing well. The, the team kind of let him down a little bit uh, last Thursday with all those turnovers. Only one was his, the sack fumble, but they were in that game. What's interesting about the Vikings, I think, is their defensive approach with Brian Flores. Like He's just been living living in like the Brian Flores world of just like preventing big plays. He wants teams to run against light boxes. Like that whole game on last Thursday, like he was just telling the Eagles, he was like, I don't care. What's funny is he still got beat over the top twice by Devontae Smith, but he was just like, I don't care how often you run for six yards per carry. And it took Brian Johnson, the Eagles, like three drives to kind of calibrate, but he didn't even, he didn't adjust. Like he was just like, cool. We're, well, I'm content as long as you're not throwing on me. So I'm really curious to see what they do against this, you know, uh, Chargers team that had, that has had really a lot of success passing. And we've seen some kind of adjustments in calibration under Kellen Moore, especially if we don't have Austin Eckler again, because we saw with Austin Eckler out, uh, Justin Herbert had his third highest A dot of his career. Uh, he took more vertical shots and he threw to running backs sub 10% of the time for just the third time in his career. So it did make a difference uh, with Austin Eckler being out, you know, Herbert being able to push the football down the field a little bit more. But I'm real curious to see how Brian Flores approaches this game, because if we don't get Eckler, you have kind of the reverse flop lag spot with Joshua Kelly, where he was shitty yeah. chalk last week. And he could be actually a really decent play in this game if there's no Austin Eckler. Yeah, John, how is that going to play out? And we'll talk about it again. There's another cheap running back against Tennessee. The wall that is Tennessee, their rush defense has been spectacular with Cleveland. We'll discuss that later in the show, I'm sure. But at Eckler, they said, what, no timetable? So nothing official, but it seems like it seems like he's not going to play this week. We'll see. Uh, yeah, John, your thoughts as far as the Chargers? I think the best way to talk about it is assume Eckler's out, but, you know, certainly he could play, but it seems more likely he's not going to play. Your read of the Chargers. And I do wonder if Flores even changes anything since he refused to change anything the first two weeks. And as Rich hinted on uh, on Thursday night, uh, the Vikings have only played two total snaps of man coverage. They have not done anything at all. They are just telling you, we dare you to beat you deep. And then, of course, the Eagles did on a couple shot plays. But you mentioned the other cheap running back that we'll talk about later, who's in the yeah. same exact spot as though he wanted to fade the first two games. Uh, Josh Kelly is now in the opposite spot. Uh, Rich also mentioned this. And yes, week one, we saw 16 carries for Eckler, 16 for Josh Kelly, even five scrambles from Justin Herbert. Week two against this Titan secondary, which we'll also touch on later. Don't worry. Uh, we saw Justin Herbert go through the air 40 times, go over 300 yards. And now it is the, it's the opposite spot. It's the better spot for Josh Kelly. Only 65% of the backfield touches, but we also expect them to be more of a run-heavy offense, at least this game, if that's what Kellen Moore has shown us through two games, considering that 
Last week, they passed on 70% of their plays within one score. Um, they wanted to be pass heavy, and that was the opposite. They ran the ball at the eighth highest rate on early downs within one score in week one. So it just depends how Colin Moore was to call this, but honestly, everything we've described, it makes sense that they also take what the defense gives them, slow it down, make it an under game, make everyone pissed off. They stack the chalk game and Josh Kelly instead gets 16 to 22 touches. And that's the play we should be on. I was going to ask Alan or Mike Williams, and it sounds like you're not like loving either one, considering it's going to be pretty popular. This game as a whole, do you have it's, a read? Yeah, it's it's still, I mean, it's still Justin Herbert. So of course you can play this. Like like we talked about. No, I talked about. I don't want to put that on this show. I talked about how I was, I was skeptical about Chargers Dolphins Week One, and then of course I got buried by everyone's shovel. So I'll take the blame on this one. But uh, we talk about constantly on the show. We even discussed Gabe Davis, Christian Kirk how these offenses play. It's the same thing for Keenan Allen and going back to zone coverage for his career. Last year, he was 15th in yards per run against zone coverage. And this year, I already just told you, Brian Flores, only two snaps for man coverage all season. And so if we're assuming we're getting zone coverage, Keenan Allen is yet again only two games, but he's 14th in yards per outrun against zone coverage. So we think he's still the one that can beat out Mike Williams. Although Mike is... He's, he's stepping on the door. Like, he's always just short of a few big plays here and there these first two games. We also didn't know the extent of what he looked like under Kellen Moore since he got injured in week one. And then last week, we saw a team-high 33% target share. So maybe Mike is still a great play if you're double-stacking this game. But usually in this kind of formation and this setup, uh, it's Keenan Allen who wins outright. Also because Keenan Allen is just good. You on board with that, Rich? Uh, Allen versus Williams? Yeah, and I think, you know, we've seen under Kellen Moore, it's like the, Allen's had like a significant change. Mike Williams has had a little bit of change too. He played less in the snot, slot uh, last week than did in week one. But Keenan Allen's kind of running a little bit of that CD Lamb kind of in the slot usage that we've seen, you know, CD Lamb get the last couple of years under Kellen Moore. Uh, 16% of Keenan Allen's routes this season have come 20 or yards further downfield. Uh, just seven and a half percent in 2022. Uh, it's the highest rate of his career. You know, he opened the season with like a 35 yard catch on like a sideline wheel route. Um, so he's, he is getting a little more different usage than the old like Keenan Allen uh, route tree used to be. So it's one of these things that's kind of flying a little bit under, but go even going back to last year when he came back after that second hamstring aggravation, um, he's just been excellent and he's been getting a ton of targets. So why not just keep going back to the well on him? You're, uh, you're building a stack, Rich. You're only making one stack. What quarterback? How are you building this out? I don't know if we, did we say anything about Jefferson. He's spectacular. He's awesome. He's good. He's, he's good to play, Justin Jefferson. <laughs> <laughs> what are we supposed to say? Like, he's he's amazing. Um, you know, how, how much are you going out of your way to get him, I suppose, is one of the questions. Um, certainly, you can pair Cousins with Jefferson and Hawkinson and get a, a large chunk of that offense as well. But, uh, yeah, Rich, uh, you want Herbert or Cousins as the starting point of your stack of this game? I mean, I always want to try to get Herbert. I think it does make sense, though, from a lineup building perspective, because this game's hard to say because everyone's expensive, right? Like even Hawkinson is ex like is not cheap anymore. So I think the way to, to do it were from like a salary perspective is probably the Cousins, Jefferson, Joshua Kelly way. And then maybe you add an Addison or like a KJ Osborne in there if you really want to get cute. Um, that's the other thing, too, is like nothing's changed for the Vikings, like. Hawkinson is still doing like what he did at the end of last year. He's only averaging 5.9 yards per tar target, six yards per catch, but 
we haven't seen Jordan Addison like really get involved in terms of like a, a route participation perspective. It's still been a slow burn for him. He's still not playing a lot. So like as default, like Hawkinson just doing his thing or he's getting like all of these like piddly targets and uh, it's enough to float him. Uh, anything else here we should point out, John, as far as uh, Chargers, Minnesota, it's going to be one of those popular games on the board. Uh, some really good pieces, the highest total expected to be close on the turf, lots of plays. Um, well, should we stress? Is there anything else we have to point out for the people before we move on? First team to go up by two scores, bet the opposite team live. And <laughs> since it will be the most popular game, like I know, Rich, you call the slate ugly, and you're right. But at the same time, I think there are some fun games here because we still have so many questions about some NFL teams. Like we could get some ugly high scoring games here if high scoring exists in the NFL. There's a 80% chance the Chargers of the ball with two minutes to go down three. Like that's how this game happens. That's why you're mentioning that, John. I assume it's going to be close at the end because that's how the Chargers uh, games go. Funny story. Went to DraftKings Sportsbook at Wrigleyville last Sunday. I still have to bring my laptop and take notes throughout the games because I have shows on Sunday. But Connor Allen, good friend at 4 for 4, had an eight-leg parlay. He bets heavy on props, but he still had some dumb parlays to sweat it live. <laughs> eight-leg parlay with Justin Herbert um, needing only nine more passing yards going into overtime. And, of course, I looked at him and said, you realize what's about to happen, right? Because they're the Chargers. Uh, they yeah. got the ball. And then, of course, Justin Herbert and the Chargers, they go three and out immediately because they are the Chargers. And that would have completed the leg of the parlay. So you just never trust them. Yeah, there's was, no I, way the Chargers aren't up, like, 20 to three in the second quarter of this game. And, like, we're just somehow it's, like, 27 to, like, 24. Absolutely. <laughs> Guaranteed. <laughs> This is a loser's lead town game almost. It's I don't want to say must win, but both both teams are 0 2, right? I mean, the Chargers have Super Bowl expectations. Like we thought the Vikings would regress. The Vikings and the Giants were the two teams that were like, your schedule and what you did last year do not make sense based on this year. That's okay if you fall backwards. So the Vikings doing it, whatever, especially on the last year of Kirk Cousins contract. But the Chargers, that's depressing because now, like we're in asking AFC, you're screwed. Yeah, and how long can Brandon Staley even stick around? Like, does he have beyond this year if they miss the playoffs? No, probably not. No so it's so much more disappointing than the Vikings. All right, one game down, two more to go. Do you want to shout out the chat? Several people in the chat already reserved their spots for the listener league. Richie Smalls, Sean Lock Walters. Yeah, five bucks. Again, take that down, get some bragging rights. Winner takes it to get himself one week free of RT Premium. Alvin pointing out that, yeah, I got this email as well. I don't think it's email worthy, but DK, DK let me know that they did add um, uh, Kareem Hunt to the player pool. I'm not going to play him, but it's good Great. to know. Thank, thank you for the email. So maybe they'll do the same for Cam Akers. Game number two, hmm. Atlanta. Another game in the Dome. Atlanta at Detroit, 46 and a half is the total. Uh, Montgomery Montgomery's currently what? He's got a thigh, questionable. Uh, we've heard mi uh, mixed reports. It seemed like he thought it would be longer. He said, did he say several weeks or something like that? And somebody else said he's day-to-day. We'll see uh, as far as his injury going forward. Uh, certainly uh, integral when it comes to this game. Atlanta at Detroit. Uh, Cordell Patterson is off the injury report as well. Are we finally going to see the Joker unleashed? Whatever that is, I don't know. Uh, uh, it's a run. That's, that's, that's what it is. It's a run play of some sort. Uh, Rich, where do you want to start as far as Atlanta at Detroit? Yeah, a lot of interesting pieces in this game. Uh, main thing is like the injury stuff, like you said. I mean, we've got now the the Lions entering this game potentially. I think we're assuming David Montgomery's not going to play. I think it sounds pretty doubtful mm -hmm. that he will. 
so what does that do for Jameer Gibbs? Like Jameer Gibbs is going to get this run out, but is it going to be the run out people expect? And he on DraftKings, he's been consistently expensive to start the year. He was already priced ahead of David Montgomery the opening two weeks of the season um, because we saw when he came in, he played one snap of pass protection and got absolutely bulldozed and gave up a pressure, almost gave up a sack on it. Uh, He did not run in between the tackles at all, but he did get the targets that we wanted. You know, he caught seven of nine targets and do a lot with them. Um, But like, how do the Lions deploy him? Like, I I doubt it's going to be a situation like where we saw DeAndre Swift get that run out, like with. Kenneth Gainwell out last week. I think we will see Craig Reynolds in like short yard spots. I think we will see Craig Reynolds in some pass protection spots. Uh, we could even see Zonovan Knight a little bit too. So how we handle Jameer Gibbs, I think is probably like the starting point here. And then will we have Amon Ra St. Brown in this game as well? Uh, we haven't gotten official word exactly what happened to him. Almost everyone thinks he had turf toe but they haven't come out and said it. He he went to the sideline, got a steel, steel plate in his shoe and got his toe taped up, but he didn't practice today. So we're kind of waiting for further clarity on that situation too. He did miss a, a, a ton of snaps last year, obviously when he had the high ankle injury and Jared Goff really was the same quarterback with and without Amon Ross St. Brown. Uh, but not having Amon Ross St. Brown definitely would funnel more targets to you like a Jameer Gibbs or a Sam Laporta. And we've already seen Josh Reynolds be kind of a useful player. So we're starting on like the Lions injury side and not only on offense, but they lost CJ Gardner Johnson for the season. They lost James Houston last week to an ankle injury. Lions uh, had a really rough week too. How many injuries have to happen for you to consider more? I know you didn't say Marvin Jones, like I was, we're never rostering him ever again, right? It was a good run. But if someone in the chat what, what wanted, uh, didn't want Marv Racer last week, so maybe they're getting it. They will this. <laughs> I, I mean, it felt like they priced up Josh Reynolds on DraftKings at least too much. He was 3,700 last week. He was in the winning Millie Maker, maker lineup um, on the opposite side of Geno Smith. And that he's 4,200 now, uh, given what he's done so far, I don't think it's bad at all, especially if you we already take his floor. He's averaging 17.8 PPR per, points per game. He has the team's only end zone target through two weeks. And if we think that Amon Raw may be even hobbled, since he only ran around on 74% of dropbacks last week, Josh Reynolds has the ceiling if this game gets pushed. Because we also don't know what the hell the Falcons' defense is. They've played the Panthers, and then last week's game against Jordan Love, and Jordan Love wasn't good, but he yet again threw for three touchdowns. So, like, what even are the Falcons? I think their defense is better than what they've showed so far, what they've played, but we just don't know. The Gibbs thing, like, how many? what's the most amount of touchdowns that allow him to have? Like, it certainly feels like a spot where Reynolds is going to siphon, like, two goal line touchdowns, and, like, Twitter is going to, like, lose its mind. Um what, yes. what do we expect? What do we expect here, John, out of Gibbs? Is this the top two running backs in the draft? I think it is, right? Is that the, a little narrative for you? Number one um, and number it's, two? It's not, not a narrative. It's just factually correct. <laughs> well, yes. we can create one. I'm yes. sure these guys right. know it. <laughs> it was, in fact, the top two running backs in the draft, actually taking number eight and number 12 overall. Yes. Yeah. But also, uh, I guess it's it's somewhat annoying because Jim Rager's salary is right there, just slap in the middle on DraftKings at 6,600 where everyone wants to play him for the pass-catching upside, where you do need him to get a run out of the carries to reach that. But also, we know what he's going to have in in terms of the targets. Like Even with Dave Montgomery, he's now seen 11 of their 13 backfield targets for the Lions, 85% of their running back targets. They're not going anywhere else anyways. They weren't going anywhere else before. What the really question is, 
how much of his now running back carry share increases because when Montgomery left the game, he and Craig Reynolds, Jameer Gibbs split carries three to three. So does Reynolds fall into this or at least similar to Montgomery's 18 and a half carries in the first two games? Uh, I don't know, but either way, it seems like he may get enough of a bump to where we would still want to play him even in stacks with Jared Goff if we're playing this game. Yeah, your thoughts on that, Rich. My thought is I think uh, Gibbs' best chance to get the highest up, uh, upside game is for Detroit to be playing catch-up. Uh, and if they're up this game like by 10 with five minutes to go, I'm afraid it's going to be more, like, if not more Reynolds, at least half Reynolds grinding the game down. Uh, your thoughts as far as that optimum Gibbs, I think, is like, you know, they're behind. Obviously, if Amon's not playing, you know, one more guy they can kind of dump the ball up to. And Atlanta is just going to want to grind this clock as much as possible, uh, run the ball all day long. That's how they run their offense. But that's the best Gibbs, right, if they're behind. But they're probably not going to be, according to the line at least. You never know. I mean, maybe. What if they just can't run the ball and they have to go with, like, a an aggressive okay. pass attack, like, right? Because that's that outcome exists, too. Like, you know, Gibbs is not – he in, in college, he had the lowest rate of running backs in his draft class. They were inside runs. Uh, he didn't run well between the tackles and a small opportunity last week. And like Craig Reynolds is Craig Reynolds. Like, what if they just can't run the ball and they have to like deploy like this short passing attack? That's another run out for him too. I know this Twitter's going to win either way. It gives either <laughs> like gives is either awesome. And like people say, see, this is why I should be getting touches or like Craig Reynolds is like a thorn as like a goal line term. People like, see, like, this is why like gives is who like it. Twitter's going to win either way. There's a win-win for the, for the old tweet machine. Uh, they're going to be on it. Probably the one guy we didn't talk about that could benefit too out of this is, is Sam Laporta, right? Like he's just hanging yeah. around uh, that 4K mark, like still in a palatable range for tight ends. Uh, it's been a miserable start for tight ends in fantasy. Uh, so it's like, who do you even do you really want to even ever pay up at tight end this year? Is it going to be one of those years? But he's still like really favorable. He hasn't run like a ton of routes, but he's been really good. And we've seen him flash last week, you know, that, that yards after the catch ability that he had at Iowa. Um, but he's t- tight end 10 in t- terms of team target share. If we don't get Amon Ra, uh, there's an opportunity for some more targets there too. And Atlanta, you know, hasn't been particularly good against tight ends. They have only faced Hayden Hurst and Luke Musgrave, but uh, uh, they have a lot of, uh, you know, 10 of 13 targets be completed against them to tight end. So Sam Laporta is probably on the radar too for this game. You'd probably rather play Laporta than Kyle Pitts on the other side. Laporta is actually more expensive than Kyle Pitts, and justifiably so. I think he's supposed to be. What uh, <laughs> what what ownership do you have for Kyle Pitts? Because thirty nine hundred is literally the lowest salary of his career. So I'm yeah. curious where you have him coming in now. I'll pull it up, and obviously, grain of salt. It's a Wednesday, Wednesday. night, but yeah, yeah uh, I did see Mark Andrews was the guy that was hitting the most optimals. I was running earlier, which is kind of it's going to be it's going to be single digit per, percent ownership for sure. Uh, yeah. Uh, so let's see. We have. Uh, Andrews, Kelsey, Ertz is getting nine percent. Is seven people are done with this? Like, <laughs> I'm not saying that. I'm not even saying he's not a like a bad play. Like, go ahead and do it for thirty nine hundred. What? It's a tight end. But yeah. like, I'm telling you, like the public, they're still not going to play him. Laporta at four percent. I'm still scrolling down. By the way, I'm, just, I'm going. I started at the top. Kyle Pitts, as of right now, on a Wednesday night. Again, this will change. It's fluid. It gets more refined at 03 percent ownership. <laughs> Right. Johnny Smith is also getting 0.3% ownership. So uh, yeah, there you go. Uh, and isn't Johnny getting more work uh, at least the, the last couple of games or the, yeah, it's, it's a, uh, he's two five, by the way, not that I'm saying you should play Johnny Smith, but he is two five. And he's a guy who could get the end zone at two five, which is 
Could we're, be. I mean, we're, we're, I, we're now 29 games into Kyle Pitts' career. He has 10 top 12 scoring weeks, five top six scoring weeks at the position. He did run 35 pass routes last week. Uh, that was more than any game he ran last season, um, but only had two catches. Are you touting Kyle Pitts? Am I hearing kind of a, a half a tout? I'm saying who cares, right? Like, if you want to play him, play him. He's a $3,900 tight end. Yeah. Like, we've all made worse pit plays at tight end. I think I think my if he, point if he, is if he doesn't if he doesn't hit so what like I mean we're, I played Luke Musgrave last week like <laughs> my yeah. my my point is is that I'm interested in Desmond Ritter in this slate and oh. Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes are going to tell me to hold their beer and they're going to shove it in my face and say actually we are good at quarterbacking again but right now I don't know if I'm scared of any quarterbacks in the NFL because scoring is so low as a whole. Like, if we are going to attack low-priced options and Desmond Ritter is only 5K in a game I perceive to perhaps be high-scoring, and then I can allocate that salary elsewhere, it would be in the first month of the season when everyone's still knocking up the rust and figuring out who the hell they are within their offenses. And if that's the case, and we think this game is a little bit high-scoring, we saw some friskiness from Ritter last week, uh, down by two scores. Got pressured into 10 carries, 39 yards and a touchdown as a rushing quarterback with a high floor, scored 22 fantasy points as the QB 12 on the week. If that's the case in this one, I think we can at least, like, without even taking chances, say, oh, I can play a 5K quarterback and I can stack him with a popular B. John Robinson and either Drake London or Kyle Pitts. And so that's why I kind of like, like Brock Purdy last week. I like Desmond Ritter kind of fitting into stacks this week. If uh, if Minshew plays, you like him better than Minshew at five one. Man, that game, I almost put it as our third because it could be sexy. I'm not sure yet. We'll talk about that game a lot at the end. Uh, I think I personally like Ritter more, but it would come down to ownership, and I'm gonna wait and see where the line and handles go by Sunday morning. One more question for both you guys. Whoever has an answer for this, you know, I'm sure you've heard it before. Like uh, a lot. Of- you're not allowed to play two running backs against each other in the same game. I'm, I'm told uh, the analytics people say it's not allowed, but I feel like this is one of those games where you can do it. You can play Gibbs and, and Bijan in the same game and be okay. Um, I, I, and that's a general rule, and I know I've, I've certainly broken it before. I understand why it's out there, but does anybody have a thought? Uh, that, a thought on that rule in general, and can we break it with Gibbs and Robinson? I'm throwing it out to the floor if anybody wants it. <laughs> Okay, man, Bijan looks so good. I I feel like we're doing doing like this weird thing though. Like he's not getting enough touches, and we haven't seen Patterson play. Like I could just totally see Arthur Smith doing something dumb at some point uh, when Bijan's like a popular player. Jesus, he he's so damn good. Yeah, uh, and, and the thing is, if they don't pass the ball, I guess they they can they can support two running backs. Without Patterson's going to get something, I imagine. Um, and then Ritter, I guess, is going to pass the ball twenty times or so, depending on. You have a thought on that, John, or is this kind of a stay away for you? I'm just, it's just something kind of. I think the biggest mind. problem with the Atlanta side here is that I think they're live dogs. Like that's the thing. Okay. I don't think that they get flooded here. So like, are we going to get the amount of dropbacks that we had last week? I mean, uh, Ritter had 38 dropbacks. Uh, that was a career high. Uh, you need the Lions if we don't have Amon Ra and they're not able to run the football. And like, like, do they pull away? Like it's gonna be interesting the the to see what happens here in this game script. So I definitely think the Falcons are live dogs here. Mm-hmm. Three and a half is that what we're looking at right now. Three and a half. Yeah, and 
I do wonder if it gets a three. If it doesn't, that makes me feel a little more confident that they didn't want to come down. I think Amon Ra would move like not a lot of players move it a ton, right? Like generally it's quarterbacks, but I think he would he would move that a half a point. I think uh, if he doesn't play or if he's hobbled or whatever, we'll see. Um, I do like I do like Drake London in this game too. Um, you okay. know you can do you can do whatever you want with Bijan. We'll see on Cordero Patterson. Wasn't C Pat clear from the injury report last Friday too? And they still scratched. He might have been. Yeah, he might have been. Um, either way though. Uh, Geno Smith passed for 328 yards last week against the Lions with his two backup tackles we talked about, but only 84 yards came in the slot. He went 19 of 21 outside the hash marks, and that's where London has lined up for the most part. He's only ran eight routes from the slot all year. That's been Kyle Pitts, who's running 50% of his routes from the slot, 30 total. And so if we're thinking about just targeting the boundary here, because that's where the Lions have been susceptible now, uh, it would be Drake London for me. So I want to get a piece of this game right now. Again, I'm watching the total. I think it's very, very interesting, but we'll see which way it goes. All right, game number three, John, you picked it. It's not like you're kind of like going back and forth with the, with the Indianapolis game as well, which I'm sure we'll touch on when we're doing our play, you know, positional stuff. Uh, game number three, Denver. Denver uh, coming out here to Miami. Uh, they are, what, uh, six-point dogs here versus the Dolphins. 48-and-a-half is the total. Uh, we have Jalen Waddle currently in the concussion protocol. He's questionable. I believe Salvin Ahmed also questionable for Miami. Um. Yeah, John, your, your thoughts. Is, I, I have a general thought as far as this game, and we'll, we'll get to that later, but I'm curious where you want to start. Why Why this game? What, what, why, uh, hold on, about? hold on, hold on. What, what is your general thought? Because it sounds like it's the opposite of my general thought. Well, my general thought is I've, uh, I grew up in South Florida. I grew up in South Florida. This is – it's not the greatest uh, – there, there's two cheat codes in, in, in football. Well, the biggest one in the NFL is Miami. We'll talk about it in a second. The biggest one in college is Boise State in their blue uniforms, their blue field. That is the most cheating thing ever. It's so cheating. It's it's the biggest scam ever. It's the biggest home field advantage. But the biggest home field advantage in the NFL is Miami getting to play home games in this ridiculous humidity. I'm in South Florida right now. I think I'm going outside. No, no way. In September, there's no chance. It, so I'm sure you know this. There's a roof now on the Hard Rock Stadium. It covers yep. the Miami team, the football team. Uh, their side is in the shade. The opponent's are in the scalding humidity that they, they yeah, they're not going to last four quarters. It's, I can't even believe it's allowed to like be they're, they're allowed. Like this design is allowed. It's like, so it, it's, they're even hiding it. No, it's, it's blatant. And like, I, I don't know if it's baked in. I'm sure Vegas is aware of it. You know, they're very, very sharp there. The lines uh, are very sharp lines. I but... looked into it though. when I was doing like worksheet stuff and like, it, they're like, as far as like covering the spread and stuff, it's like, not like it's, it, there's like, it's not like an outlier, but it well, is crazy though. Spreads... We, probably adjusted because of it and they're, they're, the wins and losses are certainly a thing right they've won a bunch of uh, i looked into it. it's like in recent years it's not so one-sided as, as i thought it was going to be okay. um and what's funny is like denver had one of these ongoing trends by play, teams playing early in the season in denver and they lost two games in denver already <laughs> <laughs> uh so I mean, they're another one of those afc teams that like you know for as much as uh they th had aspirations of turnaround like they're probably cooked if they lose this game as well yeah yeah, they're going to be cooked and they're going to be cooked because it, yeah, literally. Is not, it is not a joke. You do not want to be out there for three hours, and it's completely unfair. But, um, yeah, uh, Miami is going to win this game, and I think they win it by at least 10, and that, that's one of my – this is not it a is, It's wild that they're, like, you know, that they're allowed from, like, a design, like a, a stadium design do this because, like, they completely cover their side of the field. Yeah. Mean, meanwhile, the Cowboys – 
open their windows and make the sun <laughs> shine in on their own on their own offense. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why do we keep losing? Uh, I don't get it. All right, well, Dean, I'll combat that and say the Broncos' offense has not been the problem so far. That's kind of why I like this game, and I like the over. Uh, Denver's actually given us all the ingredients for the perfect dirty martini, the perfect cocktail, because their offense is potent. They have scored a touchdown on the fifth highest rate of their drives through two games. The issue is that, and whether it sustains or not, since they have star players, I don't know. But right now, their defense has been putrid. 29th in pressure rate. Uh, they're blitzing at the league's ninth highest rate. They're fresh off 35 points allowed to commanders. Even the Raiders finished top seven and touchdown rate on their seven possessions in week one. And Russell Wilson now, he's had some soft matchups, but I still think it's a funny trend that in his last four games without Nathaniel Hackett, he's averaged 21.9 fantasy points. So I do think the pieces are here to kind of make this like, the over that no one looks at, kind of like the Commanders and Broncos last week, it was such a low total. And I thought, the Broncos were so bad on defense. Like, what if Sam Howe just does anything and that game pops? I think that maybe could be the same thing here since we also have all the faith in the world and Miami's offense doing their part. By the way, our chat is jumping in here as far as the conversation. Yeah, the Dolphins tend to wear white at home as well. And they're referencing that game last year. You guys probably remember, Rich, remember the game last year at Buffalo. They were like falling, oh, yeah. they're collapsing on the sidelines. Once, once the fourth quarter hits, like they, they couldn't hang. And Buffalo was a huge favorite. They're the unstoppable offense in Miami. Miami just yeah, shut Buffalo them down. ran like 75 plays that game, too. Yeah, that happened in the dead. Chiefs Jaguars game this past Sunday, too. I had no idea it was going to be 120 humidity index on the field. And like every player was cramping in that one. Um, are we going to play, like, for whatever, if Waddle doesn't go, are we thinking about Braxton Berrios and Ring Craycraft? Are we having this conversation? Or it's just like Tyreek's going to get everything, and then like it's going to be just ridiculous. What do we have here, Rich, as far as whose receivers? We don't know yeah. as far as Waddle. Uh, he may since, go. Since the start of last year, Tyreek's run 95 pass routes with Jalen Waddle off the field. On those routes, he's been targeted 43.2% of the time. Amazing. 4.4 uh, <laughs> yards per route run. That's four of his touchdowns. Uh, so I do think that, uh, you know, Mike McDaniel's just shown consistently, like, he's going to find ways to get Tyree killed the football. But what we really like about the opening two games of Mike McDaniel is he had answers to the test, right? We were waiting to see how he's going to calibrate his game, uh, you know, for the middle of the field stuff against the Chargers. He does it. Uh Week two, they come back. The, the the Patriots play like a totally different game than they played against the Eagles. They play a lot of zone coverage. They're trying to take stuff away outside the numbers and vertically. And Mike McDaniel just dials up the run scheme. And it's a Raheem Mostert game. Uh, and that's what we love to see. We, we want to see his offense have the answers to the test. And it puts you in a box, especially against this team like Denver. Like Daigle said, they're, they're off, they're, their defense has been one of the biggest letdowns to the start of the season. They've been awful. Uh, outside of Patrick Sertain, like it's just been miserable. They can't rush the passer. Uh, their second cornerback, uh, I forget his name, but he's been getting absolutely destroyed so far. Um, so like, you know, it's it's just you attack the, you, with the way M what Miami has shown, like they're just going to have answers. Uh, Damari Mathis is his name. Yeah. Uh, in, <laughs> in his coverage, 15 to 17 targets to be completed. Uh, three touchdowns allowed already. <laughs> Um, I think what's interesting here is that Daigle likes Russell Wilson when he's literally doing the same thing Jordan Love is doing. Uh, the, the, the Denver offense has sneakily not been good. They've really overachieved. Mm. 
they're they're living on big plays, but on like a, a drive consistency basis, they've been bad. Uh, they've been really bad, and they've been really bad in the second half of both games. Uh, Russell Wilson has a touchdown on 11.2% of his completions. Only Jordan Love is higher. Uh, league rate is 6.1%. So, like, he's definitely living his best life. And sometimes that's just how regression works in the NFL. Russ had, like, a really down season. And sometimes you root to run hot the next year, like, and it evens out, right? That's how the mean gets regressed. Uh, so maybe he'll keep this up. But it is interesting that, like, because even going back to last year when Nathaniel Hackett was fired, like Russ was really good for fantasy those games, but was still really bad at quarterbacking in those games. Like the one week he had two rushing touchdowns. The next week he only completed 50% of his passes, but had three passing touchdowns. He's he's doing a lot of weird stuff. Like we haven't seen Russ like completely get back to and play like a lot of really good wire-to-wire quarterback yet. So I still do have like some kind of questions of what we're going to get because they played two uneven games so far this season. Uh, the second half of both games, he's been really, really miserable. Uh, so it is going to be interesting to see if the Dolphins do get out to a big lead, what kind of consistency we get out of the Broncos offense. What you're doing is spotting my theory of how to get Tyreek Hill and Justin Jefferson in lineups this week by spending down at quarterback. That's, that's all you're discussing is taking on the volatility to get up to those two players who I think are the most important players in this slate. Yeah, and I don't mind if you do if you do attack the Denver side and you hope for the run out. I mean, no one's going to really play these guys at this point. Uh, this game is fun. Yeah, I don't know who you'll get. I mean, but we have full confidence that Miami's going to, like, hook or crook doesn't matter if Waddle's in line or not. Like, they're going to score points. Yes, that's where I'm at. Uh, I like Mostert a good bit, too. Uh, the Mims thing is so weird because, what, did he run, like, six routes uh, mm-hmm. last game and had two big catches? And I, I don't know how did Little he's, Jordan he's ran twenty. Out? He's ran 20 routes in two games, a route on just 23% of dropbacks, and he'd lead the team in receiving yards because he's Marvin freaking Mims. That's how good he is. Then they bring Jaleel McLaughlin. He plays three snaps but gets a red zone <laughs> touch. Like, I mean, it's just the weirdest. They're only carry the inside stuff. the 10, and he gets it. Amazing. <laughs> then he doesn't play the rest of the game. Like, he converts yeah. a red zone carry for a touchdown and then just doesn't play. Uh, really wild. Really wild. That has to change at some point, right, going forward. I don't know what's going to happen today or this week, but uh, theoretically – or maybe not. I don't know. That's just I mean, this team. Called, this is a team that the day before week one brought little Jordan Humphrey off the practice squad, and he ran more. He doubled Marvin Mims in pass routes. It's, <laughs> I don't know what the hell's going on, man. Can we explain anything that's going on in Denver? Yeah, coaching edge uh, goes to De- uh, goes to Miami. If we say that fairly, in this game. Yeah. You already have like Sean Payton back treading. I like because you know he had the commentary that like uh, Nathaniel Hackett was like the worst. Oh, yeah. The worst coaching job because they couldn't get plays in, and literally they can't get plays in now. Uh, so he's got to walk back and talk about Russell Wilson wearing a wristband this week, potentially. Like, it's just, it's hilarious, man. McDaniel's by 1 1. I don't know, but I haven't done like the power rankings for coaches. I just love him. I think he's got a great personality. I think, you know, he's, he's amazing. Did you hear his, 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 he's the best. his interview before halftime last week? Incredible yeah, stuff. Yeah, spectacular. Yeah, he's so good. He's so good. They asked him what he was doing. He's like, I didn't do anything. The players are doing it. That's what I like <laughs> to hear. That's what I like to hear from a coach. And he on the Jordan Rodriguez podcast, he was saying the same stuff. He was like, I've called a lot of great plays that failed and a lot of shitty plays that, that ended up being awesome. Like, he was just like, he's a breath of fresh air for head coaching, man. Mm-hmm. Yes, not a talking head, not just giving those robotic answers. By the way, since I'm concocting narratives, you mentioned Patrick Sertain. Where did his dad play for so many years? At Miami. There you go. He's probably going to be in the stands, right? Anything else as far as this game we should mention? How much do we like Mostert? I I can see Mostert just grind this game down and Denver's defense getting tired and breaking one. He's going to – 
He's going to break a 50-yarder. There's your bold call, right? Clip this one, producer Steve. We're going to be showing it Sunday night. Moster gets loose, 50-yard touchdown. Who's with me? Sure, man. Why not? I mean, if Ahmed's not going to play, they're not playing Devin A-Chain. And listen, Raheem Mostert has shown, like, he's not here for a long time. He's here for a good time. And, like, we're catching him (laughs) fresh fresh at the start of the season. He hasn't gotten nicked up yet. Like, we're going to ride this thing while while we can. Uh, And and I may, again, I don't know how I'm going to play this game just yet, but I'm very interested in this game. Uh, Jerry Judy came back and was – Looked at least a little hobbled on the field, but was still a full-time player. Ran around on 84% of dropbacks. And the slot is where Miami has been most susceptible this year. And then Javante Williams' touch share. And, and trust me, Javante Williams has not looked good on these touches so far. But since the preseason, he's been targeted on 42% of his routes. And his touch share increased from week one, 57% with Samaj GP run, to 74% in week two. Uh, maybe... They use Jaleel McLaughlin again inside the 10-yard line for their only touch, but we don't know. So uh, at 5,500 on DraftKings, I may fuck around and find out. We we don't know just yet. So that's kind of where I'm at right now with this game. Rich, two quick questions from the chat that are relevant to this uh, game. First, Richie Smalls wants to know Brandon Johnson as a cheap option. That's That seems like too much of a deep cut for me. He's probably also in front of Marvin Mims in the, the depth chart, but uh... – he, he, he only ran a rod on 61% of the dropbacks last week. He caught two passes, both were touchdowns. Like this is the this is the Broncos in a nutshell this year so far through two weeks. <laughs> like this is exactly like what we're doing. And, and Tank Dell is like 3,600. We still have some cheap options here that DraftKings left behind. So you just go to them. Oh, Tank Tank's gonna be really popular this week, isn't he? Uh one more here, Rich. Uh Lauren wants to know if you're picking one, Jefferson or Tyreek. It sounds Ooh. like John wants to play them both. Is there a qualifier? Like if Waddle I like Tyreek. Go, then Tyreek? I'll, put, I'll put my vote in. I like Tyreek. If Waddle doesn't play, I say Tyreek. Uh, but, I mean, is there a wrong answer here? Yeah. I mean, after you flip over the cards and the games are played, sure. But for your pre-flop, yeah. no. It's it's the two really, really strong hands. I think the, the, the Minnesota game environment is probably better. But mm. also, I mean – if Waddle doesn't play, like I just like the dude getting a target on forty four percent of his routes, like that's, those are Puka Nakua numbers. <laughs> that's that seems like a lot. All right, that is our three games. We're going to talk about our fair plays, position by position, in just a second. Do want to mention? Do want to shout out Ticketmaster? Uh, more memories are made when you're there for live NFL action, and when you need tickets, Ticketmaster they got you covered as the official marketplace of the NFL. Uh, Ticketmaster gives you more ways to find your perfect seat. Their interactive seat map gives you 360-degree previews of your section to make sure you have the best view of those pivotal plays. And if your plans happen to change, Ticketmaster, they give you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. Plus, mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze, and you can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors. Find tickets today at Ticketmaster.com NFL. All right, Rich, I'll let you start quarterback-wise. Amongst the quarterbacks on teams we've not yet discussed, who is most interesting to you in week three? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, I think we covered some of the chalky guys. Another, I mean, we're going to see Lamar Jackson's going to be really popular. Uh, you know, week two was universal. A lineman being out did not matter. Uh, Kirk Cousins was missing Gary yeah. Bradbury and Christian Darisaw. Lamar Jackson was missing Tyler Linderbaum and Ronnie Stanley. Geno Smith was missing both of his, both of his tackles. And like, I think that those situations scared some gamers off all the above and all those guys smashed. Um, so I, I don't know what that has to do with, with anything. It was just, I thought that was interesting, a little interesting kind of play out how all those guys really hit last week. But the Colts have been really good against the run, and they're just really bad on the back end. Like, we kind of knew coming in, like, this was a young secondary. They didn't really have the pieces yet, and they've gotten kind of flooded uh, through two weeks. Trevor Lawrence uh, was the QB8 against them. C.J. Stroud last week was the QB11, and he was only the QB11 because the week was so high scoring. He actually had more points than Trevor Lawrence did in the week one matchup. He had 21.5 points. Um, they're allowing 7.9 yards for pass attempt, the 5.1% touchdown rate. Uh, and that's before we even get to like any of the rushing you're going to get from Lamar Jackson. Uh, so, I mean, he definitely stands out. Um, and then the other guy I'll talk about is uh, a guy. Uh, he might just be bad at football now, right? Deshaun Watson. Is he just bad it's, at football? It's bad. It's bad. This is, he, this he, is the he, test. He, it's it right here. Yeah. Right. This is it. Uh, he looks like he just has no feel for the game. Like the dude's leaving clean pockets. Like he he's running, he's errant throws. Only Jordan Love has a higher inaccuracy rate. Uh, to be give credit to Watson, at least he's like throwing the ball downfield at like an alarming rate. Uh, but only Zach Wilson has completed a lower rate of passes. Uh, only Joe Burrow and Bryce Young have fewer yards for pass attempt. I mentioned Jordan Love is the only one with a higher inaccuracy rate. But if there is ever a time, the Tennessee Titans, right? Like they're just such a pass funnel, tried and true. They've already had 300 passing yards to Derek Carr and Justin Herbert. Like if you've got to give him one more week, like it's got to be this one, right? Yeah. I mean, what Cleveland's given them like how many more years? They're, they're married to well, convinced. And I, Someone, um, I tweeted out the stats earlier and someone was like, we need more than two games. So I was like, well, we're like on a game eight, you know, game yeah. two, game eight, like whatever <laughs> you got to say. <laughs> Yeah, we've given the excuses of rust and weather and every possible excuse, but maybe maybe he's just bad now. Uh, if Richardson's healthy, I think he's an interesting play as well. Uh, he's in a concussion protocol. He was fully prepared to break the slate last week with two rushing touchdowns, I believe, in the first quarter. Probably outscored half the quarterbacks that played four quarters. Uh, John, who do you have that's, a, that's worth talking about? And I did – I kind of teased it earlier. I was curious if Richardson doesn't go. Is Minshew something that's worth talking about? And I guess Mahomes – 
Um, probably going to put up a lot of points. Can Chicago keep up um, a disaster there? They lost their defensive coordinator. Uh, Fields has been terrible as well. Uh, I don't know what they're, what, almost two touchdown dogs here in this game. Um, will Mahomes have to pass in the third or fourth quarter? We'll see. But I feel like he's going to be kind of lost on this slate for that reason because people don't really have any runbacks on the Chicago side necessarily. Although Roshan Johnson, yeah, that's a sneaky one there for, for the people. Um, yeah, quarterbacks for John. What do you have? Pretty much the same pool. If anything, Richardson being ruled out, I don't think it's a detriment to the Colts. They're running two different defenses, and and Gardner Minshew just steps in and runs an offense he's very familiar with. It was with totally different weapons in Philadelphia. I understand that. But still, two of his last four starts, he's been the QB7 and QB9 under Steichen. So we think he can get some push. And really, that's just trying to give me a reason to – roster Lamar Jackson on the other side of the ball since we still don't know anything about Baltimore's defense like so far about Baltimore they played CJ Stroud in his debut and then Joe Burrow and that Beagles offense literally everyone you all Dean you watch the Panthers on Monday night and the Panthers are <laughs> averaging more yards per play than the Bengals that's how bad the Bengals have been so like I, I don't yeah. think the Ravens have played anyone without Marcus Williams and Marlon Humphrey so far. So maybe Gardner Minshew still pushes the ball against them. So yeah, Lamar Jackson actually is still sexy no matter what happens with Anthony Richardson. Um, yeah, my only one, you mentioned it. It was Patrick Mahomes. And sometimes it's as simple as the Bears allowing 9.2 yards per attempt to Jordan Love and Baker Mayfield. Sometimes it's that easy. And what we're really doing is like, we're just waiting to play either Justin Fields or the quarterback opposite Justin Fields because as bad as he's been, like he's still close to popping your fantasy. He's still close to going jailbreak Justin Fields and like turning a game into a 60 point outcome because he's averaging 33 pass attempts per game. I don't know why they're trying to turn him into Joe Montana rather than allowing him to be Justin Fields. Uh, yeah. Connor, Connor had a tweet earlier this week about two design carries for him so far. It makes no sense whatsoever. But that's kind of where I come down at is like, well, if we do think Justin Fields can get some push and Chris Jones, even as a limited player, still had five pressures, two sacks, was like literally the X factor for that yeah. Chiefs defense that we figured he would be. Um, if you think we get some push, though, then yes, Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, don't even worry about their wide receivers at all, are going to be low enough owned in this slate where you can just single stack them and then figure out what to do after that. All right, uh, John. You can't let's play Justin Jefferson or Tyree Kill if you play Patrick Mahomes. That's true, and that sucks. <laughs> we do live in the world of a salary cap, and decisions yep. have to be made for sure. Uh, on a Wednesday night, Jerome Ford's getting forty-two percent of the ownership currently. He's four-eight on DK. He has, he was in a Monday night game where the prices were already set, so DK could not even adjust. Fanduel could not adjust. He's going to be super cheap, but he has that bad matchup there against Tennessee. Uh, Hunt's coming in, but I don't think that's going to matter much. I think Ford is the clear guy, but like, will he be efficient? Will he be able to do anything? Um, and then Zach Moss, uh, I think, I think I talked about Zach Moss in this show. I know I talked about other stuff, but I think I talked about him last week. Did not expect him to have 98% snap share and be the only running back getting the ball. That's how bad Jackson was week one. He they they don't like two fumbles. The Colts do not want to see you have two fumbles. They'll get rid of you. Um, like, if, if his role is like he's on the field every single time, uh, Moss at 5.5K still seems pretty pretty cheap. He can catch the ball as well. I think he would benefit from Minshew. Uh, I'm curious what your thoughts are, are on that. Either one of you guys, if you have a thought. Uh, you know, Richardson at the goal line, better chance to run it in. 
Uh, scrambling quarterback tend to like not go to the running back as a dump off. So uh, my thought is, if you, if you like Moss, I think you'd like him a little bit more with Minshew. Uh, would you agree with that, Rich? Uh, I'm just kind of throwing it out there. I don't know if there's any data to back that up. But in my head, I feel like I'd prefer Minshew at quarterback for Moss. Oh, yeah. I mean, you get a little chance for some, maybe some targets and uh, you don't get the goal line siphoned. Uh, Baltimore has been really good against the run. This is kind of multi-year sample, but uh, that you can't really – if a guy's going to be on the field 100% of the snaps and get 100% of the touches, <laughs> hey, wh- what do you do, man? You just you just take it and you, you say whatever. I try to luck Fox into a touchdown. Well, hopefully he grabs a few passes and uh, we get on our way out of there and he hits value. Uh, so I don't really have a problem with uh, going back to Zach Moss, although it's ugly. Jerome Ford, I mean, this is three weeks in a row, right? Third time's a charm for everybody. Are they going to do it? Uh, <laughs> you know, for week one, it was Jamal Williams. Week two, it was Josh Kelly. This week, it's uh, Jerome Ford. It's kind of funny how that works. Um, I mean, the, the Browns run game is good enough to where you can maybe give them, like, a step of faith. But, like, I mean, you know, look at the look at the the game logs against Tennessee, like, going back to, to last year, like, what's the what's the absolute like ceiling here like you you hope you get a touchdown right drum ford does have a little bit of pass catching ability i'm curious to see yeah i'm curious to see like what hunt does my feeling is like it's going to be like because remember this team already chose jerome ford over kareem hunt Mm -hmm. at at a point this offseason uh so i think hunt's going to come back to kind of like a the similar role that he was in last year because remember he lost like he was no longer like the one b back last year he got pushed to basically being a passing down back at a point last year, Nick Chubb actually had the highest share of his touches uh, that he had in his career. So I'm curious to see if just Hunt goes back to like that version of that role, and we get Jerome Ford's like a less clearly a lesser version of Nick Chubb in that role. Uh, so that's kind of what I'm expecting, but uh, we'll see what shakes out. It's a really rough run out here for Jerome Ford. We're gonna put this to the test because he's got Titans this week. I think Ravens next week. Then I think they have a bye, and then they play the 49ers. So, like, we're going to really test this thing out. John, what's your thoughts as far as this uh, Hunt chalk? It, it'll help you get uh, Tyreek and then uh, Jefferson. There's uh, some other cheap running backs, too, we, we could talk about as well. So does Desmond Ritter, so it's fine. Uh, I, I don't want <laughs> I, I to do it again. I mean, I, we didn't do Josh Kelly last week. We talked about this, how you just literally can't play him. Um, what does $200 difference matter except for it being an entirely different slate? Like, I guess that's the argument we're trying to make here, but – no, um, uh, objectively, it just doesn't make sense at all. Why would you play him, especially if Kareem Hunt's active? Yeah, well, I mean, and, and Strong is still there, too. He's probably going to get a little bit, I'd imagine. Uh, they both got snaps last week, obviously. And there's yeah. some other situations. By the way, I don't know if you guys caught this. Uh, I just caught it right before we went, went live. Justice Hill is apparently questionable. And I, I don't know. Uh, like they signed, they signed Kenyon Drake today. Oh, no. They have Kenyon Drake and Melvin Gordon. What year is this team being constructed? Remember, Kenyon Drake <laughs> led them in rushing last year. And 2021, 2021, Devonta Freeman led them in fantasy points. Uh, he was the RB48 per game because they just si- they signed him off the street and just said, we trust you the most. So the Drake signing, is that, does that kind of signal that Hill's probably going to be out and Edwards one, Gordon two, and then maybe they dress Drake? The the prob the problem also though is that especially on DraftKings like we were lied to, uh, we heard all off season through training camp they were going to pass their running backs more and we didn't necessarily believe it but because it's Lamar Jackson he still is Lamar Jackson but they're literally thirty first in running back target rate right now like it's they're just not giving it to the guys and Gus Edwards has never for his career been a guy who earns targets anyhow so you're really just hoping for a Fanduel run out more than anything. 
Can we tell yeah, ourselves those guys are all touchdown or the Ravens running backs, whoever you get is like you gotta get touchdowns out of those yeah. guys. I think the only one you can play is Edwards if you're playing mm-hmm. one. I mean, there's no chance I'm playing if is Drake even in the player pool. I don't know. I'm not playing Melvin Gordon. I'm not drinking Merlot. I'm not doing any of that. Uh the New Orleans situation. Uh, you know, uh, Kamara still not walking through that door just yet. He's gonna be back week four, I believe. Um, Tony Jones and and Kendra Miller. It looks like Kendra Miller is gonna come back this week. Mm-hmm. Jamal Williams probably not gonna play. Is there a scenario? Miller was close that week. Is there a scenario where Miller like gets like a big chunk right out the gate, or they're gonna kind of baby him? He's really cheap. That's why four three on DK. Kind of interesting. See, four uh, four three is how you catch my attention. Even if you get six touches, it's like, well, I, what <laughs> if I what if I just don't care what you do because you're four three? It's very much like uh, Dean. I'm gonna tap into my brain of the one time I played MLB a DFS and Fanduel yeah. accidentally made that player one dollar and they kept it on the slate and everyone played him and he scored a zero, but he was in the winning millie maker that night because again, what do you get? With that salary, do you remember who that player was? Well, I know Enrique Kike Hernandez many years ago was mispriced on FanDuel. Uh, are you yes, sure this happened on DraftKings? No, I said FanDuel. Yes, that's okay. It. Yes, that's probably who it was. He was yes, like 200 okay. bucks, and like the floor is like two, it's like 2000. Cool, and he, he opened stuff up for you in baseball. Yeah, you can get a zero and still, but for but 4300 compared to a 5k being the next running back we're talking about, that's still quite a bit of savings in this slate. Uh, am I telling myself a story as far as New Orleans? And I think that's one of the worst games as far as like uh, pace. I think that's the slowest pace game of the week. Um, hold on, maybe yeah, I'm wrong. Packers no, no, are doing their the thing again, where they're just miserable. Yeah. Uh, Christian Watson looks like he he might play though, so it might help a little bit. But I mean, I have no, I, I have a hard time believing they're going to give Kendra Miller a big workload. You know, he's a guy that really didn't play passing downs in college uh, at all. So he's kind of a work in progress. He'll great in the preseason, the little bit we saw of him, but I mean, Taysom Hill's still a tight end on DraftKings. Like, is he in play? I mean, he had nine carries last year. Yeah. Week. Yeah. Uh, I, I think he, he's very much in play. He outcarried Tony Jones three to one until they had no choice because they didn't have another running back on the roster. And then they gave Tony Jones all the carries and he did nothing with them, but he fell forward for touchdowns. Cause that's the, the thing. Line. Even if Kendra Miller and you can play him at four, three, whatever, if you catch a few passes and he has a big yeah. play, you hit, but if they get to the goal line, like he's probably not doing anything. I, I think my point is Dean. And again, I'm still sifting through it. We'll see what we need. What kind of yeah. salary we need to save. Um, but also my point of the slate is that I like the mid tier running backs because like, you couldn't name better runouts for these guys. Like Travis Etienne, like you couldn't pick a better spot for him. Uh, Jaguars are two-score home favorites. He's fresh off getting 88% of their backfield touches because they're so pissed off at Tank Bigsby for not knowing the NFL's rules. And now he's against this Texans defense that's allowed the eighth-highest rate of explosive runs. So you have to love big, uh, Etienne in that spot. And then Kenneth Walker. Like Charbonnet got more touches on the surface, but Walker still handled 72% of their backfield touches in back-to-back games. And his share of the team's running back touches actually increased from the season opener to week two, 77% of their carries. And like that would be a fun game to talk about if we had any confidence in the Panthers' offense at all because the Panthers are without J.C. Horn, Shaq Thompson for the rest of the year. They're not going to be able to stop anyone either. But man, they just have no juice. Everyone always likes tweeting like the Patriots 40 times. The Panthers have absolutely nothing to go to. So it just seems like a Ken Walker roll the red carpet out and get to your 200 yards game. 
this is like we, we wait for him. Speaking of baseball, Walker is kind of a home run hitter, right? Is this is this the game where he gets a sixty yard touchdown? I don't know how they stop anyone. I really, I just don't know what that team is. Again, they're averaging more yards per play for the Bengals, but that's more relative. Pacheco seems kind of interesting too. If you're going to buy into KC, just like walloping Chicago, which they certainly can, and you're not playing Mahomes, and why can't Pacheco practice though today? He's good. We got to watch. Mispractice. He had a hamstring, so like we got to keep tabs on that. Uh, No one wants the ghost of Clyde Edwards Lair to to be a thing. I didn't. I missed that. I wouldn't feel confident about seeing. He was on my short list early, and then I saw the same thing. So then we'll have to just follow it throughout the week. Uh, yeah, and McKinnon. I think Travis Etienne is is pretty interesting. Uh, you know, you can get kind of cute and run some weird sacks in that game too, with like C.J. Stroud, Nico Collins, Tank Dell, and like Travis Etienne, and then you could fit in your 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 Daigle stack of Justin Jefferson, Tyreek potentially. Uh, one, he's. He's playing the the Texans, a team he absolutely roasted last year. Tank Bisbee is not a thing. He didn't have a touch last week. It turns yeah. out when you have when you have uh, two turnovers that directly lead to points to the other team, uh, that the, the team doesn't give you touches the next week. But I think it's a pretty much a bounce back spot for the Jaguars' offense as a whole, uh, as bad as they've been. I mean, they had some near misses last week. Credit to the Chiefs' defense too. You were talking about the Justin Fields like pushback. Uh, going back to last year, the Chiefs have only allowed 15 passing touchdowns in their past 12 games. They've allowed a league oh, wow. low 6.3 yards per pass attempt. Both Jared Goff and Trevor Lawrence have underperformed to start the year against the Chiefs. They might not be like a, they, you know, they're not like a pushover defense. I think that they get kind of like credited as like they, they play in just like these wide open games. Uh, teams, you know, have to catch up against them. Like their defense is actually pretty good. Uh, so um, maybe we see the Jags bounce back, right? Do you think Travis Etienne, you just play the spot, right? Huge home favorite, like Daigle's yeah. playing Kenneth Walker. You play the spot, and then you can play the runbacks. Because uh, eventually the Texans aren't going to have like 50 dropbacks a game. But as 10-point <laughs> road favorites, uh, with their offensive line still banged up, looks like they will get Tunsil back here. Like It probably is going to be a huge dropback game again for the Texans. Just want to mention one more. Just acknowledge the existence of Tony Pollard versus Arizona. Speaking of good spots, that feels like a good spot. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, you can't – I mean, it's going to be hard to get Pollard uh, and Hill and Jefferson. you got to make some decisions. And I'm guessing people will probably lean more on the elite receivers than Pollard uh, when it comes to a lot of construction. Uh, but we shall see, especially with the, you know, the cheapies in the mid-tier at running back looking pretty strong. And um, yeah. if, we're get, if we're getting one more in, uh, Brian Robinson has now averaged 19.8 touches – in his last 10 games without J.D. McKissick. Uh, Antonio Gibson had that fumble in week one, and since then, Brian Robinson has out-touched Gibson 35-5. to And we still have question marks about the Bills defending running backs. They're probably good against the run, but they've played Dalvin Cook and Josh Jacobs to date. And Brees Hall, like the only one we actually respect among that group, like still t- obviously on week one we all remember tagged them um, for over 100 yards rushing on merely 12, uh, 11 touches. So – uh, yeah, if you I got Josh Brown, Jacobs, if, if you got Josh Jacobs, you have to be feeling real bad because both teams that Josh Jacobs couldn't run against, the other game those teams have played, they've gotten flooded on the ground. Yeah. Uh, you know, the the Broncos completely bottom up, and then Brian Robinson ran all over them, and then we saw Brees Hall the explosive runs against the Bills. Uh, so the really tough. Tough when you look at it from like a J- Josh Jacobs lens. Like that's like, ooh. <laughs> that's also that's also Rashad White. Um, not doing anything in in week one uh, against the Bears, and then Alexander Matt. Wait, 
I'm getting everything confused now. Never mind. Go ahead. <laughs> Let's move on and talk about some receivers. We'll get some tight ends in a second as well. We'll talk about our movie uh, selection uh, as well. Uh, receivers that we've not yet talked about, some of the elite ones, Steph Diggs, uh, CeeDee Lamb. Uh, we got Lockett, Ridley, Metcalf, Olave, and Green Bay. Uh, some cheapies, I guess, have already been thrown out there as well. Uh, Rich, start wherever you want to start as far as some of your favorite receivers, all things considered, in week three. Yeah, I think the Texans guys are salary guys. If you want, they're just throwing the ball so much uh, that you can get, you're just getting so much opportunity with those guys and you can save salary. Uh, you know, Nico Collins has 40% of the team air yards. And we knew kind of coming into the year that he was kind of a different player than the other wide receivers, mm-hmm. right? Robert Woods and Tank Dell, uh, kind of more near the line of scrimmage players. And they have one vertical asset in, in Nico Collins. Uh, I think that obviously Amari Cooper, anything, any, anyone that plays the, the Titans, you can you can kind of look at. The Titans have already allowed four top 24 wide receivers. They've only played two games. Uh, they've already allowed three top 12 scoring wide receivers. They've, again, they've only played two games. Uh, and, and then I think Elijah Moore, like this could be the sneaky spot for him, right? Like people try to get cute in week one with it, but he's run around on 89%, 84% of team dropbacks. Uh, the results haven't been there, but he's getting a, a lot of targets per game and they're using him. So this could be kind of like the the weird spot to use him in tournaments. And then the other cheap guy is uh, Zay Flowers. Uh, we talked about with the Lamar stack, the Colts secondary, like they could just end up being like a weekly target for us. Uh, he's been the one constant among the wide receivers. He's run around a 90%, 85% of the team dropbacks. Uh, the Colts have already allowed four top 20 scoring wide receivers uh, for Three of those have been top – or two have been top scoring – six scoring weeks. Three have been top 12 scoring weeks. Again, they've only played two games. Uh, you can argue it's just a Mark Andrews game. But, I mean, Zay Flowers has a really palatable price too. And Odell has the ankle injury. Uh, they're still nursing Rashad Bateman along. I really don't want Nelson Aguilar to be a thing. So, Zay Flowers <laughs> uh, for me. Uh, who would have thought the uh, Noah Brown going the IR would be a thing? But that seemed to open up uh, Tank Dell, as you kind of talked about. I know his snaps and his targets increased uh, significantly. In week two, uh, I just uh, I ran a bunch of optimals here, John. Uh, what a gross name that's hit that's landing in the most. He's just really, really cheap. And we have we haven't projected for a little bit more than Dell. Dell's hitting some as well, but it's another cheap receiver that nobody wanted. Everybody thought was uh, dusty. He did score in week two. Uh, he's on a team that nobody cares about. I'm, 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 am I helping you out? Are you getting there as far as what receiver nobody wants to play? He's on a brand new team, he's a veteran. It's not it's it's not Adam Thielen, right? It is Adam Thielen. <laughs> uh, how wait, what's his price? I don't even I literally don't even look at Adam Thielen on any He's play. three nine. He's three nine. Not cheap and enough. Like... <laughs> three what's one or less. Three one or less. That's it. Okay, fair enough. Uh, yeah. Uh, although again, Seattle has struggled on defense. Like now, it doesn't even matter. They're still allowing catches to the boundary too. They're just getting train wrecked. So, you no, know, Tariq Woolen uh, got hurt last week. Yeah. Uh, we don't know if he's going to play this week. He had chest injury. If it's... I had any faith, that would have been the game we talked about because I don't think either defense can keep up. But also, we need the Panthers to do anything, and it's not pretty with Bryce Young right now. Yeah, it's not spectacular. Who do you want to add to the conversation as far as some of your favorite receivers we've not yet uh, not yet discussed? Uh, Michael Pittman, Zay Flowers, Skinny Stacks, I think are fun. I don't know how you fit Justin Jefferson and Tyreek Hill into that, but Pittman did see a 40.9% target share whenever Minshew came off the bench. And again, we just don't know what the Ravens are. Uh, they might even be a pass funnel. 
given that, as Rich talked about earlier, they've historically been a better run defense since they've only played easy matchups against C.J. Stroud's debut and Joe Burrow so far. So Michael Pittman is a player I have confidence in. And then if you want to flip the script, you definitely can't fit J.J. and Hill in if you do this. But Chris (laughs) Olave is in a good pivot spot here if you are thinking about like Kendry Miller and just going over the field because I have long-term questions about the Packers and Saints offense and quarterbacks, honestly. But the Packers are the only defense in the league that have played zone coverage on over 80% of their defensive snaps through two games. And that was Chris Olave's specialty last year. He saw 60% of his targets against zone coverage and averaged 15 yards per catch and the fifth most yards per route run. So we still think it's an amazing spot for Olave, especially because he's getting the ball downfield and the Packers have allowed the third most air yards per target to opposing receivers downfield. So Olave seems to be in a really good spot. By the way, I was supposed to do this at the top of the show. My bad. Producer Steve won the four-man for our movie bet. He wasn't quite sure what movie to assign us, and he was gonna. I told him I'd ask the chat to give some uh, suggestions, and I forgot. So my bad. Uh, hopefully, if you guys can throw some out for him, he can kind of figure it out. I'm not sure if he's figured out what he's going to throw at us in a few minutes. He's going to assign us a movie to watch. Again, if you guys are not aware, you probably heard it at some point throughout this podcast, but jump in the Listener League. It's five bucks. Winner gets not just the acclaim of winning the contest, not just the, the actual winnings, the American dollars, but you get yourself one week free of RG Premium. Myself, John, Rich, and producer Steve are all going to partake as well. But yeah, give us some movies, throw them out there. Ooh, Let It Ride is a spectacular gambler movie. You guys like gambling and Richard Dreyfus? Let It Ride is for you. From the 80s, it is phenomenal. It still holds up. I watched it not too long ago. Um, Let's go to tight ends. Let's knock out some tight ends, Rich. Uh, Your favorite portion. We always end strong here when it comes to our positions. How do you feel about tight ends as slates? I don't. I don't feel anything about tight ends. Uh, We (laughs) talked about maybe it's like saying you just take Kyle Pitts at 3,900 and you just say, Jesus, take the wheel, man. Uh, We talked about Taysom. I think you could play Mark Andrews. I think it's a tough slate to do it uh, because I think most gamers want to play one of Tyreek Hill, one of Jefferson, maybe, maybe pay for a good quarterback, maybe pay for Tony Pollard with no Christian McCaffrey. Um, It's bad, man. The position's bad. It's the heart (laughs) of darkness again. All these guys are bad. It'd be, it's interesting because there's a couple spots. Like you look at it, like, I mean, people got so lucky with the Jake Ferguson touchdown last week. He's not really running any routes uh, for the Cowboys. Uh, Both Peyton Hendershot and and Luke Shoemaker are getting (laughs) run. Uh, It's, I mean, they're all, all these guys suck, man. They're all bad. Like, do you want to play Zach Ertz? No. What is the official number at? What's the official number of targets and yards for Zach Ertz? I'm I'm sure you have it written down somewhere. It's bad. It's hilarious. He's got 20, he's got 20 targets. And how many yards? He leads the NFL in target share at tight. He's at 30% of the team targets. <laughs> what are we doing yeah. in the year 2023? And, and you, know I'm, I'm really... he, you know how many yards he has? 87. <laughs> and, and Durham Smythe is 2,900. Durham Smythe is going to be the cash game play. So he's going to come in over rostered because I don't know why he's under 3K. If it's Is that you're banking on Waddle not playing or you think Smythe is still in play if Waddle plays, uh, if he also Dur- plays? Like, Smythe has led the Dolphins in routes run in both games. He's out there, buddy. He's just out there. Laporta? That's their only tight end. As far as tight ends or as far as all Dolphins, he's leading him in routes run? No. Smythe has led the entire team in routes run in both games. Wow, okay. Individually. He is out there. That's what I'm saying. But you can't play him in tournaments because he's going to be the cash game play at 2,900. You have to play him. 
If you're pinching pennies, yeah, I, I suppose, sure. And especially if Waddle doesn't play, then he's going to be like probably really bad chalk, I'm guessing. Uh, because, you know, Braxton Berrios is going to catch a couple five-yard touchdowns uh, or something. If you like I'm going to play Kyle Pitts and hit myself. Yeah. Who? <laughs> River Who Craycraft? You there? Craycraft. Uh, in, in week one, Durham Smythe was wide open for a touchdown, but so was River Craycraft and two and three with the Craycraft. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think if there's any other sort of sneaky – like we no, would have been a great. We would have had some sneaky ones if if the Bucks would have been on non Monday night. Kate Otten would have been in play. Otten's yeah. a thing. No, Otten he's a... on Monday night. Uh, oh yeah, we we would have talked about that game, Rich. Had we had the Bucks Eagles because that game's gonna be that game's gonna. I be mean, hot. the Eagles the Eagles have all these injuries at linebacker and safety. Oh, yeah. Like the both weeks they've been giving it up to tight ends. It's Chris Godwin week, and we can't even talk about it. What a yep. damn shame. Um. All I, well, and see, that's the thing. We lost to the other sheep tight end because Logan Thomas probably won't play. But whenever he left the game, Cole Turner and John Bates just split routes. Like Cole Turner is just like a beating heart. He is waiting to break out, but he needs someone to get out of his way because he's that good at football. It's probably not this game, though. No. Some of the best ball bros were talking about. will probably bag him. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm, I'm trying it's to not see good, Dean. Up, we're trying. Yeah. It's not good. It's yeah. bad. The position's bad, Dean. Hunter Henry's the tight end too, Dan, like in fantasy yeah. football. Like, what do you always say? <laughs> I mean, Henry, yeah, somebody in chat just wrote Hunter Henry, and he's been pretty good this year so far. And it's such a bad spot, though, against but the But he Jets. even his stuff is his stuff is kind of fugazi too, because Mac Jones is the most dropbacks in the NFL, right? Like in, and that's how the that Patriots have been getting there the past two weeks. Uh he only he's only he's only seen eleven percent and sixteen percent of the team targets. He's averaging a career low nine point eight yards per catch. It's just Mac Jones has thrown the ball a hundred times through two games. And they're are they going to do that against do... Zach Wilson? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Is this Granton character real? Is 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 he possibly no. something? He had he no. had ten yards, dude. Okay, <laughs> just asking questions. <laughs> I, I think I, I saw him finally score a touchdown. He did like, score a touchdown. Know. First career touchdown. He had yeah. ten yards. He had ten yards, and he was the tight end fourteen yards. on the week. That explains <laughs> everything. Explains everything. I was told this was the greatest rookie class ever of all, all of tight ends. I know it takes a while to develop uh, tight ends, and it's the hardest. Laporta's doing his part. Yeah, yeah, Laporta's look, look good so far for sure, but. All right, that's it, right? We're done. No more tight ends. I mean, it is what it is. You, you tight end play who you want, all right? You play no. who you want. Play it with your stacks. Just just correlate it is all we ever say. Correlate the tight end. Uh, in chat, Guts is saying Ingram. Ingram's going to get a touchdown. There you go. He's kind of pricey, though, isn't he? I feel like he's a little expensive. He's definitely Rick. pricey. Yeah, but like but, sure. But we are, expecting, we are expecting to come back to more two wide sets if they're favored by two scores. All right, let's uh, let's bring in producer Steve. That's the that's it for football. If you want to hang around and talk a little movies with us, by all means, we we appreciate the uh, join us. Uh, we're gonna banter back and forth, talk about movies. I won the four man last week, meaning I assigned these fine folks uh, to watch a movie. I chose Before the Devil Knows You're Dead. Uh, it, it stars one of my favorite movies, uh, movie actors of all time, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Marissa Tomei, who's delightful, Albert Finney, uh, Ethan Hawke. It is not a feel good movie. Uh, it is well received by the critics if you care about such things. 89% on Rotten Tomatoes, 71% as far as the audience. But uh, and I guess it's freshest in your mind, right, John? You just watched this before the show, and you were more upbeat than I expected, to be honest, because that is not the most positive movie to watch without giving anything too much away. But, yeah, what, what was your uh, your general thoughts uh, as far as before? And you went in totally cold, right? You weren't aware of anything? 
Was not aware of anything. I wish you would have warned me before I watched it literally 30 seconds before the show. Uh, and by the way, Sosa, pull up the lineup. We, we need to get back to showing the lineup, your winning lineup. And yeah, it, I called it behind the scenes. I called it poor man's requiem for a dream. If only because that's the kind of connotation in the movie. It's like all these bad decisions that eventually culminate in life and lead to like everyone in your life feeling miserable about themselves. But like no other movie encapsulates that better, in my opinion, than Wrecking for a Dream, at least that I've seen so far. My only thing is, and it is a good movie. Philip Seymour Hoffman's incredible. It, it started, it didn't need to start with a sex scene. Like it came out the gates hot. I was like, okay. Right out the I, gates. I need, a, I need to buckle in. Like, we came in a doggy <laughs> style. I was like, let me just give me a second to warm up. Like I was not ready for this <laughs> immediately. My only thing though, Deed, is like after like a year and a half of therapy, I feel like I've tried to get away. I don't even watch Black Mirror anymore. I try to just go towards delightful things and feel good things in life. And so like that, I came back into art. This That's what this is, which was used to be where I kind of gravitated towards. And so I just, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know if at this time in my life, I don't know if like I love it, but do I appreciate it? Yes, it is a good movie. My apologies. I, I didn't know that I was going to be bringing up such things like that. So that was my intent, obviously. Oh, no, 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 no. That's, uh, no, that's fine. That's a gentle subject. That's okay. But like, I don't know. I just want to feel good, Dean. I don't want to. I don't want to go back into that atmosphere. Again, I don't watch Black Mirror, and Black Mirror is like one of the best shows ever, but it just depresses you because it's, it's the closer to life gets. I can't even get on Twitter anymore and like have a conversation because there are no conversations. It's just the first to ever tweet the meme that gets the most clicks. Like I don't want to be on that place, so I don't know. It's funny you say Black Mirror because I finally watched my very first episode of Black Mirror. I know mm. a lot of other people love it. I watched the uh, – well, you probably haven't seen it because it's the most recent batch – the uh, the Netflix uh, spoof. I don't know if that's your thing, if that's your bag, Rich, as far as uh, Black Mirror, that does it for you. But uh, I really can't speak to it. But uh, it seen, was interesting. I've seen I was, a I lot more. of the earlier ones, but haven't gone back to the newer ones. Like, I haven't seen anything past, like, Anthony Mackie being on it. Okay, yeah. I, but, I mean, which, I, worth which episode did you watch? Which episode which? did you watch? No, Dean. Oh, you, you're, you oh, you're asking me. Uh, I'm yeah, sorry. You just I thought you were talking about Rich. I, I watched the probably one you haven't seen because it's the most, it's the most recent batch. It was oh, a, like a okay, Netflix yeah, yeah. spoof. Okay, got it. Yeah, uh, it was pretty interesting, and I, I'm gonna watch more. And I like how you can just kind of pick and choose and jump around. They're all sort of like stand on their own. So I will I will revisit it. Can you can you give me like a recommendation? What's like is there like a chalk like this is the best Black Mirror? Oh, which ever? one? Which one did I feel the most pain for? Um, probably because that's all they are. They're all just painful. Yeah. Um, probably. <laughs> Look up the episode. I can't remember the title where you wear, um, where you're a contact. No, you have like a rewind installed into your retinas. Like you're born with rewind in your eyesight. Go to that one. Okay. Um, probably, I guess the most depressing is the one where the John Hamm Christmas episode is really good. That's a good one. Yeah. The bicycle one where we're all that's like Kula, Daniel earning. Kula. Earning credits, that's a really good one. Yep. And then the and then the the tender one where you get likes based on how kind you are to people is also a very good one. There's and a very good Clemens one too, where like it's like a space show. That one's real good. I think the entire history of you might have been the one you're talking about. Does that sound familiar as a as a title for Black Mirror? It does and, sound familiar. Uh, yes. Michael in chat says the one with the guy from Mad Man. Uh, there you go, John Hamm. So you guys are talking about the That's, same the, one. As well. The John Hamm one, I think, is, is a Christmas episode. That one's real good. 
right. I'm sure. I'm sure it's like the Christmas episode from the Bear. Just as happy. Oh as you my can God. Be. Just, just leave the fork alone. We just not. We not with the fork. Uh, incredible show. Yeah. But uh, Rich, what do you have as far as uh, your takeaway for before the devil knows your dad? We'll bring in producer Steve in a second. We also have a uh, my winning lineup, and I I didn't know which one I used to be honest, but we'll pull it up and talk about it in a second. Well, we got Show Steve's up. winning lineup uh, on the on oh the Steve's winning now. lineup, yes. And Steve <laughs> Steve lapped us. Steve took yeah, our suggestions. He pivoted. I thought I was looking all- good at one, and then uh, the, the the that Niners game came. Yeah, that came. Listen, for, that you came play for everyone's Puka. heart. It was bad news. I didn't He's play Puka, to- and I finished second. And no, wait, Steve was the only one who played Puka, so that pretty much explains everything right there. Yeah, he's uh, he's outraged. I haven't seen what his price is. Obviously, he's on the main slate, so I'm curious where he's going to settle. He's Monday night. Yeah, somewhere in the sevens or eights, I guess we'll see, but uh, stay tuned. Uh, Producer Steve, feel free to jump in whenever you have a chance to do so and uh, take your victory lap. Uh, do you want to discuss what, what what the brilliance of this lineup, but you want to take your victory lap and, and taunt us? We're supposed to be the pros here. And the Millie, the Millie Steve had... Kyron Williams did a James Cook. They stacked five players um, along with Gabe Davis. So it actually like their lineup made a lot of sense. I didn't, I didn't have faith in Kyron, but now seeing after the second week, he might be the real deal, but uh, no, I mean, I produce so many shows throughout the week, you know, I'm taking advice from everyone. <laughs> Not really great at this, but uh, I smashed this week, last week, I guess. <laughs> and and it might be a real contest. I did not enter into any real contest. Mm. And honestly, Kyron might be like Rich said about Zach Voss. Like, maybe you're not the real deal, but when you get 20 of 21 backfield touches, who cares? <laughs> Sometimes that's all it takes. Yeah. The, the, lost in like all the Ram stuff. It's like they run the most plays in the NFL. Like, oh, they, yeah, they have. Eventually that might come back down, but like it's they're running so many plays. Uh, the chat says Joey from Friends is back. They think uh, producer Steve looks like Joey. Okay, <laughs> that's a compliment, man. You take yeah, that. you can do take a lot that. worse than that. <laughs> yeah, I'll take uh, that. That's fine. What about what about everyone else's opinion? We got my opinion on before the devil's nose you're dead. What about everyone else? Um, Nobody else wants to talk about it pretty clearly. <laughs> yeah, I watch it right before the show too. Probably finished like an hour before. Uh, at first, I was like, I agreed with Daigle, like starting off the sex scene. I was like, whoa, okay. Hard. After that, I thought it was like going to be a typical, like the the robbery happened. And uh, I guess what's his name? Hank was going to feel guilt about it. And it was going to be kind of like predictable what was going to happen at the end. And it really threw me off. It caught me off. I wasn't expecting that ending at all. The last. 15 minutes was pretty crazy. Yeah, it's, it's kind of a slow build, I guess you can say, a slow burn. Is is that fair to say, Rich? Yeah, you reminded me of a, a very 90s movie. I was like surprised this was made in 2007. Definitely reminded me of a, a movie that was like made in the 90s, even at the look of like a lot of 90s movies. Yeah. Uh, really good really good cast. Uh, it was good to see Albert Finney out there. Albert Finney is just like <laughs> such a great like face with like his mouth open. Uh, and gape and it was good to see rosemary harris in there a lot of a lot of old throwbacks um michael shannon made an appearance for like a little bit yeah uh, creepy as ever amy ryan like it, amy ryan like she might have like the the most wild catalog if like you go down like what movies she's been in uh she's in so many different things and you know even including the office but uh it's crazy the things that she pops into too but uh really just a solid story about you know 
how you got like this, you know, dysfunctional family and you have one dude, Philip Seymour Hoffman, who's like a true ship bird. You have Ethan Hawke, who's like one of those like ship birds, but like is an accidental ship bird. Like he kind of has like a, a big heart, but it's just like a, an idiot. Uh, it was kind of fun to kind of see that dynamic and, you know, how, how a family can fall apart in that, that dynamic. The only thing I didn't like was the shoehorned Hank and Marissa Tomei's character had an affair for what reason? How did that happen and why was it there? Mm. Yeah. Uh, there's a motivation that kind of, it's kind of paid off near the end of the movie. Is it not to some degree? I just, I, like, I, they, I think it's paid off without saying something. It's, it's paid off. I think it sort of like sets the stage yeah. for. It's the only, that's that my only kind of like minor thing, but I enjoyed it. It's a movie I'll probably never want to watch again, but I thought it was solid. If that makes, you know, makes sense. Completely yeah. agree. It's like wrecking for a dream. There's some movies like there's like, what's the best movie you've seen? It's spectacular, but you have no intention of ever watching it again. Like there's certain movies just kind of fall in that category. I could see that. And you know, it's depressing. It's not an upper. Um, but uh, by the way, the director, speaking of old, so we're talking about Rich, the director was 82 years old when he directed this. Wow. What? Really? That's yeah. Crazy. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Sidney Lumet was 82 when he directed this movie. Like, uh, what are you going to do when you're 82? Uh, like this. Not be here, probably. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that makes sense then why like the, 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 the style of it, you know? That tracks yeah yeah i i was uh i was surprised to learn that and uh <laughs> yeah i thought he was 82 like present day and like no he was born in 1924 so holy uh, that's crazy yeah i, I oh, was this really, really had a catalog he directed serpico and dog day afternoon oh which is a, a spectacular and movie. And that's a movie we should assign by the way if you've never the seen he directed the whiz with michael jackson, jackson? Yeah, I'm actually going to uh, see The Wiz live. My, uh, you know, my, my wife, we have uh, Playhouse tickets, uh, and that's like one of the first ones that uh, yeah. she's got. Is that a thing? Is like every year that is that one just tours around the country? Is it that strong, The Wiz? I wasn't yeah, aware. It goes around. It's one of the first ones. Like she has like a season pass, uh, and that's one of the ones on there. Yeah, Mur right. Murder on the Orient Express. Like this, this is like a, a legend. I didn't know that uh, he directed. This yeah, Sidney Lumet. He's not. He's not messing around. Steve, uh, you have anything to assign us for next week? And of course, you know, you're not obligated if you're hanging out there in chat, if you're listening to your podcast feeds, but by all means, feel free to join us and listen. We'll discuss after all the football, we, we, we save the nonsense with the end of the podcast. There's no complaining. You've got like an hour and a half of football, plenty of football. So this is the nonsense portion of the show. But Steve, um, what did you come up with? Maybe you have a couple options you can throw out there. What do you want to sign us to watch this week? Uh, I really, really don't know. <laughs> I, like I said I finished I finished like only an hour before and I was browsing uh, Hulu during the sh beginning of the show a little bit to see if there was anything cool on there. The only one I thought was interesting, but you already said you saw was War Dogs. Seen War Dogs with the uh, what's his name? The Jonah, 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 Jonah Hill. Hill. Jonah Hill. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's good. I feel like Rich and Daigle have seen it, too based on the reaction it doesn't matter yeah. i mean it, yeah i mean you can Miles keep those you can keep the selections coming but i don't mind re-watching something revisiting these movies i'm gonna i'm gonna think about it and i'll pin a comment on this video and we'll get a tweet out for everyone else to know which movie but i can't pick one right now i, I really don't know not good on the spot see before the devil knows you're dead also mess someone up it just yeah. ruined him it just wrecked it ruined him. movies <laughs> ruined movies for him 
What does it say about me? Is that that's the movie I'm assigning? Is yeah, that, I mean, Dean clearly has a, a Dean clearly has a genre that he goes into from what he. Ever <laughs> I like it though. Did. It was I dude. Like it. it was a really good movie though. Like, yeah. Yeah. Again, I thought I wasn't gonna like it that much at first, and I was like, wow, this was good. Don't know if I really want to rewatch it, but yeah, it was definitely a good movie that I enjoyed. It stays with you a little bit. I think it stays with you a little bit. I, you know, maybe too long, possibly, but uh, yeah. All right. Well, you will figure it out. You'll, you'll let us know, and we'll be watching a movie at some point. You're going to pin it on the old YouTube. Again, one last time, join the um, Hunter Man, the Hunter Man contest, yeah. the Listener League. Get uh, uh, take it down. It's five bucks. Five bucks on DraftKings. Um, standard contest. Well, I think actually it's uh, it's top heavy. You got to finish in the top five, I believe. Producer Devin set that up. So be ambitious. Uh, and if you finish first, assuming not one of us finishes first, uh, you get yourself a week three of RG Premium as well. Rich, tell the people where can they find you? Where can they get all your stuff? Yeah, sharpfootballanalysis.com. We're writing up uh, the worksheet uh, every week, breaking these games down. Go check that out. Uh, you can use promo code week three for 30% off anything on the site. John? Use promo code Daigle on 444.com if you're in the redraft streets. Waiver wire column. I keep updated through Thursday morning. It's pretty much the only like preview waiver wire column as well since i'm in those high stakes and home league streets i know the kind of issues you're having i'm starting elijah mitchell in some leagues tomorrow because i went zero rb so like i'm sifting through everything along with you uh, i have skin in the game just like you so promo code daigle 25 off rest of the season for john and rich and producer steve for rotor grinders i was dean we do appreciate y'all listening to the pick six show week three good luck take something down win some money watch a movie thank you we're out of here oh